Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I hope you all had a, a really, really amazing Thanksgiving. I have a, a confession to make to you today. I had a really nice shirt picked out to wear today, but something really weird happened from Wednesday to last night. That shirt somehow shrunk. Somehow I wore it last night. <laughs> I'm like, that's a little tight around my waist. You know, I'm like, what's, what's going on? So I thought to myself, either I will suck in my gut throughout my preaching, or I need to change what I wear. I chose wisdom, so I wore a nice, stretchy, forgiving sweater. Thank you, God, for my mom's cooking. Amen. All right, anyways. All right. August 28th. 1993, that is a day that changed the lives of millions and millions of children all over America. That was the day that the mighty Morphin Power Rangers debuted on television. If you know what I'm talking about, make some noise. Come on. Here they are in their totally realistic, totally practical fighting stance, right? Like, I mean, if you're gonna fight someone, you're gonna, right, you're gonna strike a pose, right? I mean, that's totally realistic. So for those who don't know who the Power Rangers are, they were a group of just ordinary, regular teenagers, and I have no idea what the criteria were, but for some reason, they were chosen. Now, these teens were like, they're, these guys over there, they're from like all walks of life. You had like the jock, the popular guy, the not-so-popular guy, the nerd guy, you know, a, a very, very diverse group of teens. They were given this thing called a power coin. Now, when you have a power coin and you say the magic words, it's morphin' time. Can you say those words with me? It's morphin' time. That's right, right? When, and obviously, you have to be in formation and because uh, it won't work if you're not in formation, right? If you do it, something amazing happens. You transform into these guys. And of course, each of these Power Rangers had these amazing robots called the Zords. Remember that? These dinosaur robots called Zords. And of course, of course, when those robots combine, when your powers combine, they form the Megazord. Come on, people. Who did not love the Megazord? Who here had a Megazord growing up? Anyone? Praise God. You? Good for you, bro. I didn't. My parents didn't give me that. Still have not forgiven them. But anyways, <laughs> I'm just joking. I love them. Now, the Power Rangers were a cultural phenomenon in the 90s. Why? I think young people were so attracted to the idea that a regular teen just like them had the ability to transform their lives like that. To change the situation. Now, you and I both know that teens don't have a monopoly on this desire. You and I both know that this is a universal longing. That's why people join gyms, why they join therapy, why they enter into recovery groups, why they attend uh, motivational seminars, why they read self-help books, why they come to church. I think that's why you're here, right? Because you want to change. Hello? Yes? No? I sure hope so. Desire for transformation is so deeply embedded in human soul that I think a great example of this is the self-help industry. According to the market researchers at a company called Research and Market, by the way, the most appropriate name for a company, right? The self-help industry in a few years will be worth $13 billion. B billion. To give you some perspective, the mighty NFL, the wealthiest sport in America today, last year grossed fifteen. billion billion dollars in profit. If they were a sport, they'll be neck and neck with the NFL. Come on. People spend money on what they want. People want change. People want change. If you go to Amazon.com, click on the books page, within 
the books page, there are different genres. Within each genre, there are subcategories. If you look at the religion and spirituality genre, there are 17 subcategories. That's a lot. You go to the health and fitness and diet genre, there are 19 categories. That's a lot. But if you go to the self-help genre, there is not even a close second, people. They have 28 subcategories. Guys, people want change. Change is not exclusively a human desire. It is a God desire. You look in the Gospels, Jesus, you look at all of his teachings, it's all about change. Your life must change. Look at John chapter 15. If you don't remember, last fall, we had an entire sermon series on this called Abide. Remember that? It was on this chapter. Now, look at verse 5. Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Friends, if you are connected to Jesus, your life will change. That is just the inevitable outcome. You will change. According to the word of God, you will produce godly fruit and you will be more and more of a loving person to be more like Jesus. And isn't that the end goal, friends? To be more like Christ. John Ortberg, one of my favorite preachers and writers, he says this. The primary goal of spiritual life is what? What does it say? Human transformation. transformation. It's not making sure that people know where they're going after they die. I mean, that's a good thing, right? Or helping them have a rich interior life. That's a good thing. Or seeing that they have lots of Bible information. That's a good thing. But let's put first things first. The first goal of spiritual life is the reclamation of a human race. John Orberg goes on to say in the book that it is the glorious redemption of human life. Your life. Your life. Your life. Your life. Who wants this change? Raise your hand. Who wants this change? Now, uh, I like interaction with the crowd, so this is what I'm going to do. When I say, what time is it, you're going to say back to me, it's morphing time. Okay? So let's practice right now. What time is it, church? That's okay. Let's do it again. What time is it, church? That's good. I like that. Uh, Well, I'm going to do it throughout the sermon, so I'll know who's not paying attention. All right? So... We want to see our lives change. Clearly, God wants to see our lives change. But here's the thing. How many of you here know that all changes are not created equal? Mm-hmm. How many of you have heard someone say, I'm changed? You're like, based on your behavior, I don't think so. All changes are not created equal. Listen to what Paul tells us. Romans chapter 12. This is our passage for today. uh, Can we read this together? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. I think it's so interesting that in verse 2, Paul would use two different words for change. Conform, transform. Why? Verse 1 says, one of those two is your spiritual act of worship. Paul says in verse 1, one of those change is your holy and acceptable act before God. It's interesting, right, guys, that on the surface, conform and transform, on the surface, they both pursue change. But if one, when we dig a little bit deeper, we, we quickly find out, actually, they're really different. Really, really different. So let's go after it. Conform. What is that? The English Standard Version says, um, do not conform to the world. The NIV says, don't conform to the pattern of the world. The New Living Translation says, don't copy the pa- oh, what is it? behavior and customs of the world. I really like the message translation. It says, don't 
become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Come on. Come on, Eugene Peterson. He knows what he's talking about. The New Testament was written in Greek. Paul used the Greek word suske matizo for this word conform. Can you say that? Suske matizo. It means to be molded according to a pattern. The root word of suske matizo is this word schema, which means the outward form that changes second by second, minute by minute, week by week, year to year. Kind of like how you change your clothes. Constant change. So suske matizo deals with superficial change. Superficial change. Now, don't confuse this with what Paul wrote just a few chapters before in Romans chapter 8. He says, for those who God foreknew, he also predestined to be what? Conformed to the image of his son. This is where things get kind of lost in translation. The Greek word Paul used in this verse is not suske matizo. It is this word, symorphos. Can you say that? Symorphos. Morph. Symorphos. Weaning. Changing the essence of who you are. Deep change. Inner change. This is not what Paul is talking about in Romans 12, verse 2. So if I could paraphrase what Paul is saying, he's saying this. Don't chase after superficial change. Superficial change that mimics the patterns and the trends and the fads of culture. You know what this reminds me of? This old, old TV show. Called The Pretender. Anyone know the show? If you know the show, can you raise your hand? Anyone? Oh my God. God bless you. Okay, so, all right, I got <laughs> So, gosh. So, when I was making this sermon, I like to practice at home, and usually my wife is my congregant. And so, you know, she's so encouraging. Every sermon's amazing, according to her. So, thank you, honey. Um, when I practiced it and I used this illustration, she was like, oh my God, I love The Pretender. So, in my mind, I'm thinking, yes, this illustration is so gonna land with the church. Last night, when I preached, no one knew Pretender. Like, literally, everyone had a blank stare. Clearly, no one in the third service knows a pretender either. So, whatever, it's okay. All right, it's fine. It's fine. It's okay. I'll preach to you, okay? Um, for those who don't know the pretender, it's the guy in the middle. He is a pretender. The dude with the smirk, the little smirk on his face. His name is Jared. And the, the, basically, the background of the story is this. When Jared was a little boy, he was abducted kidnapped because he had an amazing intellect. He was a child prodigy. And this evil organization that abducted him used his mind to fulfill their, you know, their evil plan. And so what happened was eventually Jared escaped and the rest of his life, basically the, every single episode of The Pretender was him running away, pretending to be an imposter, while this evil organization was chasing after him. That's basically the whole plot of the story. So Jared, because of his genius intellect, he was able to adapt and change according to his environment. And so when he was in a hospital, he would pretend to be a doctor. Someone in the first service reminded me he was obviously a pretender fan. He said, Danny, when he was in a hospital and people asked him, what do you do? His answer was, Today, I'm a doctor. That's what he would say. When he was in a police station, Jared would pretend to be a law official. Right? Wherever he went, he took on a fake identity to pursue his goal. His goal was to try to find his real identity. Friends, to conform to suske matizo to the patterns of the world is to pretend to be someone you are never meant to be. 
To conform to the trends and fads of popular culture is to pretend to be someone you were never created to be. Can we make it plain? That's conforming, pretending. John Piper, a very well-respected pastor, preacher, he said this, We are perfectly useless as Christ-exalting Christians if all we do is conform to the world around us. Tell us how you really feel, John. (laughs) Perfectly useless. He ain't mincing his words, right? The key to not wasting our lives with this kind of success and prosperity is being transformed. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Church, what time is it? Mm, Some people didn't say it. I'm looking. I'm looking. Transform. What is transform? ESV says it's uh, to be transformed by the renewal of the mind. The New Living Translation says let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Yeah. The word in Greek that Paul uses for transform is this word called metamorpho. Can you say metamorpho? This is where the word metamorphosis comes from. Now, a classic, classic example of metamorphosis, you know this, caterpillar to the butterfly. I mean, right, we know this, right? Stage, the first stage of caterpillar's life is obviously that in the left, caterpillar stage. The second stage, we call it the the, the pupa. And the last one, obviously, you know, is the butterfly. We all know that. Now, the in-between stage is so fascinating. It's so interesting. The caterpillar encloses itself in a cocoon called a chrysalis. Now, depending on the species, the caterpillar can be in the cocoon for a few weeks to a few years. How many of you feel like you're in an in-between state? Hello. Come on. And here, this is so crazy. When the caterpillar is in the cocoon, it releases a special enzyme that digests itself. Basically, the body turns to goop inside the cocoon. And something crazy happens when it does that. Because you see, in the caterpillar body are special cells that are uniquely designed to fulfill one purpose, to make butterfly parts, wings, antennas, and so forth. Those cells are dormant during the caterpillar stage. It is only during the cocoon state that those cells are activated. And you know the rest of the story, right, guys? 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new what? Creation. All this passed away, the new has come. This is transformation, friends. When the butterfly emerges from the cocoon, this is way more than suske matizo. This is way more than conforming. This is total transformation. The behavior of a butterfly is radically different from the behavior of a caterpillar. Caterpillars live their lives crawling through life. Butterflies live their life soaring. Friends, before you had Jesus in your life, y'all know we're just crawling through life, right? Hello. But if you have Jesus in your life, you can soar. I don't know about you. I choose the latter. Thank you very much. If you are transformed in Jesus, friends, you have no choice but to think differently. Our motivations are different. Our actions, our behaviors change. Church, what time is it? What the caterpillar eats is completely different from what the butterfly eats. Caterpillars eat plants. Butterflies eat nectar. How many of you know, friends, when your life is transformed in Jesus, you start feeding on different things? Right? You start wanting to feed on truth, the things that give you life. You start wanting to listen and read things that give you life. You start wanting to invest your relationships on people who are like-minded believers like you. Right? Church, what time is it? 
And the impact, I love this, I love this. Their impact is so different. Caterpillars can't procreate. Butterflies can. If your life is transformed in Jesus, friends, you have the ability to give life. Amen? Now, I don't know about you, I'd much rather be a life giver than a life sucker. Right? Because this world has too many bleeping suckers. All right? I want to be a life giver. Amen? My hope and prayer is that all of you today will leave this place being a life giver. Can I get an amen to that? That's transformation. What time is it, church? The Bible says transformation begins with this. Renewal of the mind. I like the New Living Translation. Come on. Let God transform you into a new person by, can can you read that? That's right. Changing the way you think. Why is it so important for us to renew our minds? Let me give you two reasons, okay? First is this, because my thoughts control my life. Your thoughts control your life. Listen, simple truth, all right? If you don't think it, you ain't going to do it. If I don't think about washing the dishes, guess what? I ain't going to wash my dishes, all right? Much to the dismay of my wife, all right? If I don't want <laughs> if I don't think about doing my laundry, that pile is going to get really, really big. By the way, it is amazing when you have another child, like your laundry doesn't just increase one fold. It's like exponential increase. I don't know how that happens, but anyways, that is life. My mind is a control center of my attitudes, thoughts, feelings, and actions. I love what Rick Warren says. God is more interested in changing your mind than changing your circumstances. What good is it when we ask God to change our circumstances when this is unchanged? I want to let you know, stop praying, change the circumstance. Stop praying, change me. Sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. I have to believe that you're here today because there's a desire in you for change. That you want to be a a godly person. I believe you're here today because there's a desire in you to be a loving person. To be a patient coworker, a compassionate friend. A wise confidant, understanding significant other, selfless and generous neighbor, and the list goes on and on and on. Friends, in order to be that person, it starts with this. It starts here with your thought life. So, so good thoughts that are grounded in truth, you will reap godly actions and character. That's pretty self-explanatory, right? Um. A few months ago, uh, I want to say June or July, my wife and I joined Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University class. Anyone here know that stuff? One person. Awesome. Cool. All right. <laughs> now, uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome, right? Um, for, those, for those who don't know me, like, by default, I'm a hater, Okay, I'm just being honest with you. Okay, so whenever I hear that something is amazing, life changing, like my instant reaction is, really? <laughs> like, let's see how good this is. So uh, we heard so many good things about FPU. So my wife and I joined it, and I, I, I'll be honest, I went in like a little skeptical. So, All right, let's see what you got, Dave. And uh, I gotta tell you guys, it was an absolute game changer for my wife and I. We quickly realized, especially after like the first day of class, we went home and we started asking each other some hard questions about our finances. And we quickly realized that we had been living with a lot of shame when it comes to money. Shame with how we handle our money. And shame with how money has really, in some ways, controlled our lives. And, you know... I mean, I really have to give it to God's grace with this. With God's grace, honestly, 
and the help of these material with FPU, we were able to exchange toxic thinking, toxic mindset about money and finances with truth and wisdom and how to do it. And we together, we created a really wise, and I think a pretty good financial game plan for our family. And within a few months, we were able to pay off one of our credit cards and we were able to pay off one of my school loans. Awesome, like amazing, like praise Jesus for that. Now, we're not debt free because grad school was expensive. I still have a lot of money to pay off, but here's a good thing. We have a clear plan of action. Our thinking is so crystal clear now. We're going to attack this sucker. For the first time in my life, friends, I can, I, I, I can see it. I believe we're going to have a debt-free life soon. I believe it. But here's the thing. I didn't grow up that way. I grew up with a lot of debt in my family. It seemed like financial struggle was that really annoying friend who would never leave our side. So many times we had to move from house to house to house to house growing up because of financial troubles. So I grew up with this mentality like, I guess that's just part of life. Debt is part of life. Financial struggle is part of life. But friends, how do you know, how many of you know that's a lie of the enemy? That is not true. God wants us to be wise stewards of our money. Amen? Living in debt is not part of God's good plan for you. Amen? That's the truth I want to tell you right now. That's what happens when your thoughts are aligned with truth and wisdom. But opposite is true as well. When you sow bad thoughts grounded in lies that will produce toxic, unhealthy character and actions. When you, come on, man, I don't need to convince you of this. When you allow negative thoughts to go unchecked, thoughts like, I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. No one wants me. No one likes me. I'm stupid. I'm ugly. I'm worthless. I'm a disappointment. I'm damaged goods. I'm a lost cause. I'm always going to be alone. Maybe you're like the other extreme side of this, like I'm the best thing since sliced bread. I don't know. I don't need you. I don't need God. God doesn't want me. God can't help me. When we allow those negative thoughts to go unchecked, friends, you better believe it's going to affect how you view and treat yourself. It's going to affect how you view and treat each other. And you better believe it's going to view how you treat your God. This leads me to my second point about renewing our minds. Because, friends, your mind is the main battleground. Friends, your mind, the few inches from here to here, this is where the most intense spiritual battle happens, right here. Romans 7, I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is what? At war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that's still within me. Friends, you are under constant mental warfare whether you like it or not. That's truth. Constant mental warfare. Temptations, battles happen in the mind and friends, can we be crystal clear who the enemy of your mind is? It is not the person sitting next to you. It's not your annoying coworker. It's not your annoying friend. It is the devil. John chapter 8 Jesus makes it super clear who your enemy is. The devil is a murderer. He never holds to the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language because he's a liar and the father of what? Lies. Friends, the devil is the father of lies, the father of deception, the father of confusion, manipulation, temptation. He so loves to shame you, condemn you, and kick you while you're down. Can I remind you, friends, he is not your friend. Stop treating him like one. He don't like you. He does not even tolerate you. He hates you absolutely hates you. There's no good plan that he has for you. So let's call out 
junk, junk. Amen? He is not your friend. He's not your savior. He is not your Lord. He's not your healer. He's not your redeemer. But there is only one who is, and his name is Jesus. Amen? So let me ask you, what are the mind games that the enemy of your soul is playing with you today? What are the lies that he is trying to use against you today? In the Garden of Eden, in Genesis, The devil, that's so interesting. He doesn't use power. He doesn't use force against Adam and Eve. He uses mind game. Clever little trick. Clever little trick. Did God really say? Did God really say you can't eat from that tree? Mind game. Eons later, friends, his tactics, his tactics haven't really changed that much. Have you known that? You know why? Because it's pretty dang effective. Does God really care that you are judgmental and critical to that really annoying guy? I mean, they deserved it, right? What's that saying? Hate the sin? Might as well hate the sinner too. Does God really care how you handle your finances? I mean, after all, does he not have the key to heaven's piggy bank? He's rich. He doesn't care if you don't tithe. That's fine. Does God really care what you listen to, what you hear, what you watch? What's the harm in watching just a little bit of, I don't know, pornography? What's the harm? It's just you and a screen. No one's being hurt by it. What's the harm? For me, the lie that gets me often is this. Danny, you deserve this. When I worked really hard, I hear that whisper in my head. Danny, you deserve that. When I'm having a rough day, Danny, let off some steam. You deserve that. When it's been a long time since I had my own personal time or whatever, I can just hear those just lies in my head. Danny, you deserve to do that. Watch that. Do that. Buy that. Talk like that. Behave like that. You deserve it. Friends, let's, let's not be confused. Romans 8, it says, the mind governed by the flesh is what? Death. But the mind governed by the spirit of God is life and peace. If you're going to get something today, please get this. You get to choose who influences your mind. You choose. You get to decide who has influence over your thought life. If you choose to let your mind be influenced by the devil, then the Bible says it will produce death. Is it any shock that when we do that, that it seems like our joy seems to be going down? Is it any surprise that when we do that, that, that it seems like your peace is being killed, your patience is being killed, your relationships are negatively impacted, how you view yourself is impacted, how you, you, it seems like more and more criticism comes out of your mouth of other people, Right? How you view God seems to be kind of changing and warping. But when it, we allow our minds to be influenced by God and his good word, it produces life and peace. I don't know about you, friends. I like life and peace. I want more life and peace in my life. Raise your hand if you want more of that. Yeah. I want more life and peace in my family life, in my marriage with my kids. Because sometimes, friends, can I be honest with you? My daughter sometimes feels like she's a spawn of Satan. Okay. And I just want to be like, get out in Jesus' name. But eh, 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 she's not, she's not. But it feels like it. I want more peace and love in my life. I want more life in my life. 
more of God in me. I love that song, We Are Hungry. Yes, God, more of you. I want more of you. I want to become more like you, Jesus. Church, what time is it? So friends, this is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our mental battles right here, by renewing our minds, transforming our minds. And I have three applications for you. Declare, defend, destroy. Can we say that? Declare, defend, destroy. So number one is this, declare. I think, friends, if you want to renew your mind, let's fix our eyes on truth. Who is truth? God. Declare who God is. How about this? Declare, God, you are all powerful. You have all authority. Jeremiah 32 says, you have made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Can I remind you, friends, I don't know what you're going through, but let me remind you, God can help you. There's not a single situation that God cannot break through. There's not a single situation that God can't redeem and heal and make new again. Amen? Amen. Remind yourself, God, you are everywhere. You're omnipresent. Wherever you are, friends, I want you to know you're never alone. Amen? I love the last words that Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. He said, I am with you always to the very end of the age always with you. Declare that God, you alone are holy, righteous, just, loving, merciful, faithful. You never, ever change. Friends, can I remind you that the purposes of God in your life, including the trials, including the suffering, reflects his character. His plan for your life is good. His plan for your life is merciful. His plan for your life is faithful. His plan for your life is and always will never change. Amen. Declare that. Declare that. And declare, God, you know all and you know exactly what you're doing. Proverbs 19, many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is a purpose of the Lord that will always stand. Friends, whatever your circumstances is, can I remind you, can I encourage you? God knows. He knows how hard it is. He knows those times of hopelessness. He knows the tears, the anxiety, the sleepless nights. Oh, he knows. He knows. Can I remind you that he knows the purposes of your pain? He knows the purposes of your struggles. He knows. Can I remind you, friends, he already has the answer to your cries. He already has the answers to your prayers. It's ready to go. You just got to ask him. He's got your life. He's got it. He's got this. Friends, God's plan for your life, it may not be your plan A. It may not be your plan Z. But rest assured, he knows exactly what he's doing. Amen. What time is it, church? Two. Defend. We've got to play some defense, right? When you're in a mental battle, you've got to play some defense. The Bible says we have a shield of faith. Can I remind you that when you're in the battlefield, you are not a lame duck? Hello. You have a shield. And you know what your shield is called? God. Our faith is in God. And God is our protector. Amen. He is our shield. Amen. So start declaring declaring the promises of protection over your life. One of my favorite verses or chapters in the entire Bible is Psalm 91. Let me read a portion of it to you right now. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. God, he is my God and I trust him. He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly diseases. God will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. He alone is faithful and his promises are your armor 
and your protection. Amen. He's your shield, so put it up. And the last one is this, friends. Destroy. Destroy those stinking lies of the enemy in the name of Jesus. Amen. This is offense. This is offense. The word of God says that we have a sword of the spirit. That's the word of God. And can I just uh, tell you something? If you haven't noticed already, we've been kind of playing offense this whole time. When you're declaring who God is, you're using truth. When you're saying, God, you're my shield, you are declaring truth. So now, let's destroy those stupid lies right now with truth. Amen? So declare, God, you're for me. God, you love me. God is working his good plan in my life. Amen. There's no situation that God cannot break through in. God, you love me. I know this because I look at the cross and it is empty. That means Jesus died on that cross and he rose again from the dead. I know that in Christ, I am accepted. I know that in Christ, I am secure. It doesn't matter what I go through in life. My current destiny and my eternal destiny is secure because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Amen. So what we do, friends, with that sword of the spirit, we declare every thought, every lie, every manipulative, stupid little lie that the enemy tries to twist and contort in your side, in your mind, must be destroyed in Jesus' name. The line I love is this, go back where Jesus tells you to go. Go to hell. Don't come back. Friends, when we do this, when we renew our minds, keep on reminding ourselves the truth of who He is, the truth of who we are in Him, I'm telling you, this right here, it will be renewed. Amen? I'm telling you, when you renew this, you renew this. When you renew this, you start to think more like Jesus. You start to speak a little bit more like Jesus. You start to act more like Jesus. The next thing you know, friends, you're not crawling through life, but you are soaring through life. Who wants that? Who wants that? It's yours. It's yours. It's interesting, Isaiah, Pastor Isaiah told me today before I preached that this winter storm that's about to hit us, or maybe it's hitting us now, the name of that storm is Ezekiel. Ezekiel means God will strengthen me at the roots. Hmm. Come on. Lord, more of you. It's like as if God knew what he was doing. Church, what time is it? So let's do this. What are the thoughts? What's the mind game that the enemy of your soul is playing with you today? What are the lies? What are the lies he's telling you to discourage you, disparage you, discredit you, to put you down, to keep your eyes off of Jesus? What are they? I'll give you 10 seconds to think about it. you to do picture that lie in front of you right now if you can and try to visualize that lie in front of you and what we're going to do right now we're going to we're going to renew our minds all right we're going to declare some warfare against that lie right now what i want you to i want you to by faith put up that shield of faith you have a shield of faith put it up you got it 
It's yours. Every believer in Christ has one. Put it up. And also, I want you with the other hand, put out that sword of spirit because you have it. If you are a believer in Jesus, you have it. It's the word of God. Point it at that stupid lie if you have to. All right? And repeat after me. Come on, we're going to speak truth over it. Say, I declare in the name of Jesus, the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the ever-present God is for me. He is with me. His good and loving plan for my life will prevail. God is my defender. He is my shield. No arrows of the enemy shall penetrate. Jesus is my Savior. He is my Lord. In him I am loved. In him I am secure. In him I am significant. In him I have everything I need to live a victorious life. So, friends, let's finish it off. So I command in Jesus' name every lie that comes against God's truth. Go where Jesus tells you to go. Go to hell. Don't come back. We seal this in Jesus' name. Church says, amen. That is renewing your mind, friends. That is renewing your mind. And can I remind you, I forgot this actually, that in the Greek, Paul uses that word transform, metamorpho, in the present tense, meaning it's a continual act. So a better translation of Romans 12 verse 2 is this, keep on being transformed by the renewal of the mind. This is not a Sunday afternoon thing, friends. This is an every day, every moment when you feel discouraged, when you feel pissed, when you feel annoyed, when you feel sad, when you feel depressed, when you feel hopeless. Transform your mind by renewing it. Amen? God is good. God is so good. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to take communion together right now. Can I remind you that there's nothing like special about it? It's bread, gluten-free apparently, and uh, really healthy, and juice. It's not even real wine. Um, but here's the thing about this. This is a reminder, the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. This is a reminder of what Jesus accomplished at the cross for you and me. Friends, if we don't have the broken body, if we don't have the broken blood of Jesus or the spilled blood of Jesus, there is no forgiveness of sins. There is no salvation for the soul. There is no eternal destiny we God. It's only because of the body and the blood of Jesus. Amen? And friends, the reason why we're going to do this today, because this, friends, is a reminder that what Paul talks about in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, it is entirely possible. It will happen because of the body and blood of Jesus. Amen? It's not because you're so good, because you're not. It's because he is good. Amen? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to ask the folks who are going to come and distribute the elements. They will... All right, so they will position themselves in the front of the sanctuary and just come up partake in the, take the elements and which you can just go back in your seat join us in worship and then we'll all take the elements together as a body okay I'm no longer Child of God, I'm no longer. 
19 says Jesus took bread and when he'd given thanks he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me let's take the bread together verse 20 likewise a cup after they had eaten Jesus said, this cup that is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood. Let's drink the juice. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It is only because of your broken body and the spilled blood that you did on the cross that we can have life, new life. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, because of what you did on the cross. We now can say your resurrection power is our resurrection power. Your life is our life. Your authority and power is our authority and power because of what you did on that cross. Thank you. So Jesus, we say we trust you. We give you our thoughts. We give you our body, our soul. Lead us and guide us in your good plan. And may our lives give you glory. May our lives give you the worship, you and you alone. We seal what you're doing today in the almighty, all-powerful, merciful, loving, gracious name of Jesus. The church says, amen, amen. Church, what time is it? That's right. Now go, live it out. God bless you.